And amen. Do me a favor. Turn to, turn to your neighbor and say, you got questions? Ask them. You got questions? And now turn to your other neighbor, the one you ignored the first time, and say, we got answers. We got answers. You have stepped into an arena where we begin an Easter series called You Ask and We Answer. And boy, we have some fun questions we're going to hit today. I, uh, first of all, let's just acknowledge something. Because people will tell me uh, as a pastor that the Bible, this old relic of a book, isn't applicable today. Like it's not applicable to the lives that we live today. Maybe it was for a certain time at a certain place for a certain people, but it's not today. And I'm, here to t- I'm just here to tell you, and this series is going to show us it's as, a- as applicable as it's ever been. Applicable to married people and single people, young people and old people, guys and girls, rich and poor, those of us that, it's applicable to those of us that live in the beautiful Midwest and those that hang out in Hollywood. And in fact, I'll show you it's applicable to Hollywood because Jesus himself said this, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, I'm sorry, it's just, it's just so easy. So turn and give the, anyway, so, <laughs> sorry. So what I, for, for me, the longer I walk with Christ, the more, I, the more I forget to think like an unbeliever. And that's got some pluses, obviously, but it's also got some minuses. Because I think that if you're a believer in Jesus, stuff we do or stuff we say or even stuff we sing, is, it can seem weird to somebody that doesn't believe in God. Think about some of the songs that we, would, you hear or you sing. We will, we will stand up and we'll sing songs like, How great is our God, sing with me. We will ask, How great is our God? And never answer the question. Like, I'm sure if you're not a believer, you're like, how great is he? I mean, you sang about it the whole time. If you don't know how great he is, I'm not selling out to him. We just do stuff that doesn't make sense. Even as a kid growing up in the Catholic church, I didn't get stuff. And I've shared this before, but this was legit. This happened every month. The priest would say, turn in your hymnals, your, your, your songbook, turn in your hymnals to, to, to hymn 447. Okay? And we're going to sing verses 1 two, and four. And I'm like, why are we skipping verse three? Like, what in verse three don't you want me to know? Because I'm going to go there and I'm going to find it. Okay, I'm going to look. I, there's things we just, I just didn't get it. So there's a lot of things that people don't get about faith. Um, and we're going to look at them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get right to it. The first question is, is very applicable to kick off the series. The first question, is the word Easter even in the Bible? I mean, we're, we talk about it all the time. Like, if someone asks you what the word Easter even means as a believer, what would you even tell them? It's like, I, don't, I have no idea where that word came from. Easter? Is it in the Word of God? Well, let, let's check it out. The answer is, uh, technically, yes, it is. And I'll show you that. But you got to go. It depends on the translation. So if we, if we want to kick it old school, King James, you know, he begat him, she begat her. You know, he giveth to her. So King James... Well, I'll read it to you. In Acts 12, 4, this is what it says. Uh, James has just died for his faith, and now Peter's been arrested by Herod. And it says, and when Peter had been apprehended by him, he was put in prison and delivered, and delivered, or they put him in prison and delivered him to four quaterians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. This is in, this is in King James. So, The word Easter, the English word Easter, uh, is used to translate a Greek term. The Greek term is Pascha. Say Pascha. 
Yeah, Greek. See, we're learning something. So Pascha, and that's translated to a word called Passover. So in fact, if you read Acts 12.4 in the, the more uh, maybe uh, modernized versions, the New Living Translation, the New American Standard, uh, the New King James, you read that same scripture and it will say Passover and not Easter. So that now you know. So in Passover, if you don't know this, was what they were celebrating. The Jewish nation was celebrating Passover when Jesus, during that last week of Jesus' life. So, and, and they would celebrate, and Passover really was uh, a celebration of, um, well, it was, it was a celebration of freedom, is what it was. The, it goes back to the Israelites being in capti, capti, captivity in Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, wasn't letting them go, and God sent plagues to, to help Pharaoh let them go, and these plagues were nasty. Like, it took Pharaoh ten plagues to let the, let the people go. It would take me, like, one, okay? The first plague, turning uh, water into blood. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Go ahead and take the people. I'm mean, turn it, but you know, the, and if that didn't get you, the second plague is God sent like millions of frogs. Yeah, frogs. The the word of God says there were so many frogs they were in the bedrooms and on the beds. Okay, I, if I'm waking up next to Kermit, I, no, okay, take the people. I don't want them. But but Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. It took the tenth plague, which was death. Death went over the land, and it would take the firstborn sons, uh, and God gave them a way out. God said, Israelite nation, Jewish people, if you will take the blood of a lamb, if you will take the blood of a lamb and put it on your doorpost, when death passes through the town, death will literally, when it sees the blood, it will pass over, say pass over, now you know. It will pass over the door and keep moving on. See, what you need to understand is, is death has no power over the blood of the lamb. Okay? Death has no power over the blood of the lamb. So that happened, and, and Pharaoh's child dies, and Pharaoh lets the people go, and uh, it's, 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 it's an epic story. But when, I th when you think Easter, you can think Passover. When you think Passover, you can think freedom. Say freedom. People are looking for it, by the way. People that you know, people that you live with, people that you work with, they're looking for freedom today. Freedom from guilt, freedom from worry, freedom from resentment, freedom from loneliness, freedom from discouragement. And that is exactly what Jesus offers. Freedom. This is what we're going to celebrate, not just in two weeks, but today. Question number two. Let's just keep rocking. Here we go. For those who died before Jesus came to earth, right? He's salvation. What about all those that died before Jesus' mission? Are they saved by just obeying the Ten Commandments, right? Are they saved by obeying the law? All the billions of people that died. If we're saved by the blood of Jesus, well, what about before Jesus came to earth? Good question. Let's go to Romans 3.20. Paul writes to a church in Rome and to you and I, and he says this, no one, say no one, Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty firm. That's pretty, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. That answers that question. It doesn't matter how good you are, uh, you can't do it. It matters how saved you are. It matters how covered by the grace of God that you are. No one can be saved by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows how sinful you are. That's what the law shows. It, like, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you, you're, you have not kept them, Okay? Well, pastor, I've never, I mean, I've never murdered. Well, Jesus would liken hate with murder. You ever hated someone? Well, I've never, I'd never commit adultery with my spouse. The Bible said Jesus would liken a lust with adultery. You ever lusted? And maybe you're like, no, I've never hated, I've never lusted. Okay, have you ever lied? 
Okay, let, let's just, this is medals. We like to get real. Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Okay, if the hand's not up, get it up now. You just lied to me. Lying to your pastor, that's like a double lie, okay? I don't know if that's a thing, but it is today. So, yes, the, the average person lies every day. I, I read a stat one to two times that said the average person lies. Some of you, you're above average. Nothing to be proud of, okay? I'm just saying. So, if, if, so this last week, your pastor almost told a lie right in my Bible study. I, this is embarrassing because the, the guys I'm in group with, they're called purpose groups. You'll hear more about these as the summer progresses. Um, there are discipleship groups. And uh, so I'm in group, and we hold each other accountable. We read the Word of God daily, and we hold each other accountable. In the last two weeks, my, one of my action items was get my butt to the gym, okay? Get, I, I've been doing resistance training, like resisting the gym. That's what I've been doing. So uh, I, I've been trying to get to the gym, and I was embarrassed because I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm like, I have to tell these guys that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. That's embarrassing. So I literally, the, th the thought crossed my mind, just tell them you went one day. Like, I was debating on, the pastor's debating on lying in Bible study. Welcome to Meadows Church. I mean, I can't, what am I doing? I didn't lie, but I thought about it for a second. Um, I think the problem might be the gym. I'm just going to say it out loud. When I first moved to the Omaha area, the gym I belonged with previously, it's called Planet Fitness. You heard of Planet Fitness? Yeah. Well, that gym, you know how they got me to sign up? They said, Monty, here's what we do. Uh, Tuesdays is smoothie day. I'm like, oh, God, I love smoothies. And then you know what they said? They said, Fridays, that's pizza day. I'm like, oh, my God, I love pizza. And, the, and every day was Tutti Frutti Tootsie Roll day because they had a huge bowl of them. I'm like, this ain't a gym. This is like an all-you-can-eat buffet with treadmills. I, I, I love it. Sign me up. I'm all in. So I got to go back there. That's all I'm saying. So, by the way, okay, back to the question. How are people saved before Jesus came to earth? Galatians, another book that Paul wrote to a church and to you and I. I ask you again, does God give the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? We already know that. We learned from that, what we just read in Romans, no. And there he says it. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Okay, we get it. Christ saves us. You haven't answered the question yet. Well, hold up. Verse 6. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him righteous because of what? His faith. People are saved the same way now that they were 2,000 years ago, that they were 3,000 years ago, that they were 4,000 years ago. It's by faith you're saved. Let's finish the verse. The real children of Abraham, people that are saved, then are those who put their faith in God. So before it was Jesus that came to earth, we're only saved by Christ now, today, because Jesus has come and Jesus has brought a new covenant. But before that covenant was brought, they were saved again by faith, not in Christ, but in God himself. You, people have always been saved by faith. That's never changed. You can't earn it. You'll hear more about it. Question number three. Let's keep it rocking. For those today, like they live today, and they're not exposed to Jesus. They've never heard about Christianity. They've never heard about Jesus. How do they get saved? Well, the answer is they don't. Like they go to hell. Next question. I'm just kidding. You guys are like, oh my God. No, I'm kidding. My gosh. Nine o'clock, you guys are a little bit, you're waking up, I get it. So, no, but how do people, say there's some remote tribe in some continent, and, and, and these, this tribe of people, they never hear about Jesus or how to be saved. What about them? We should go to the Word of God. It, it's got answers. Back to, the, back to the book of Romans. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth 
and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. They have no excuse for not knowing God. So what is it saying? It's saying when you've been exposed to God's creation, you've been exposed to God. Last year, the family and I, we took a trip to Phoenix because it's warmer there. You get it. So, and, uh, you know, it, there's a, it's a different scenery. There's mountains. I mean, but I wonder if the people from Phoenix, like, vacation here to see the cornfields. Do you think? No? Okay, I don't know. So, it's, there's corn as far as the eye can see. It's amazing. So, um, we go to Phoenix, and... Uh, you see the beauty of God's creation in a different way because you're in a different uh, area. So here's a picture of the mountains that God created. So this is our family. We climbed up, a, I don't know, I think it was called South Mountain. And you can see the majestic mountains behind us. And, and, and that is God showing you that God is real. I mean, the next picture, we, 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 we transitioned to the desert. You see the beautiful uh, majesty behind us, the cactus, uh, the, 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 the greenery, the, the sky meeting the sand, God's creation. And finally, in the final picture, you see God's creation. God, this cherry red dot. Okay, so, but God created the people that created that car. You can't deny that. You cannot deny that. What kind of a weirdo, like, lays on a car? Anyway, so I'm just saying. So, take it down. All right, so, so and understand something. Maybe you're here today and you're questioning God. I am so grateful you're here. I hope we have people every weekend at Meadows Church questioning God. God, I hope that never goes away. Because this is where you should be. This is where God wants you to, so he can reveal himself to you. If you're watching online, you're questioning maybe, is, is there a God? Is this real? Or did this just happen? Uh, or, or maybe you have friends or family that question God. Maybe that's where you're at. I would say to them, do you believe in creation? Like, look around. Do you believe in what you see outside? Like, it, it, because understand something. You, have, you cannot deny this, regardless of what you believe. If there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. D doesn't there? You, you cannot have a creation without a creator. It's not possible. So the reality is, it's not really about those that haven't heard. It's not that we haven't heard about God. It's that, that many people will resist what they've seen and heard about God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What does that tell you? That if you will seek God, he, he will show himself to you. If you will seek truth, he will show himself to you. So, so instead of like debating about those who haven't heard about God, what if we as followers of Jesus did everything we could to tell people that we know about God and they will hear about God from us and that they will see God through us. This is what we get to do now. I can't speak for other nations. I know that God's revealing himself, but I know that God wants to use us to show him to others. This is what Easter, the Passover celebration, the freedom celebration, I call it, is all about. Sobering stats when it comes to inviting and Meadows bucks the trend here, and I'm proud of that. But, but it, this will blow you away. 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church in a year. That, that's, that's, I'm grateful that we're, we're, we're and we're, we have a lot of progress to make, but that, that blows, every time I read that, it blows me away. That means 98% of people never extend an invitation. Uh, well, seven out of 10 unchurched people have never, been invited to church ever you know what the devil wants you to believe 
they, they've been invited. They have a church home. They pro- someone's asked them about it. 70% have never been invited to a church, not just on Easter, but ever. Don't let the, don't let the deceiver deceive you. It's what he's in the business of doing. That blows me away, and it should you too. And people will get nervous. They're like, well, I don't, I don't know what to say. How do I do it? It is, don't overcomplicate it. This is an invite card. Dan, come up here for a second. Dan's like, oh my God, okay, it's okay. So, Dan, here's, here's how you do it. Hey, man, what you doing for Easter? Hanging out with the family. That's what a lot of people are going to do. Cool, man, I don't know if you got a church home or anything or if you go, but if you don't, man, I'd love you to have check, it, check out Meadows. Cool? That was, that was it. You better be here on Easter, too, because I just invited you. So, um, uh, I need that back for the next service. I only got one. So, don't worry about it now. So, uh, so, but that's it. And, but people will freak out. Well, what if, what if he asks a question? Okay, well, then run, right? I mean, get out of there. No, you don't run. <laughs> run for the hell. No, you don't overcomplicate it. When someone starts asking about your faith or about your church, tell them what the church has done in you. Tell them why you go. What, what compels you to come? What, what, tell them what God has done in your life. See, the most powerful testimony you have is your testimony. The most powerful uh, witness, that's always a freaky word to use, but don't let it freak you out. All a witness does is tell us what they've seen and heard. That's all they do. If you're a witness in a court case, what are they going to ask you? What'd you see? What'd you hear? Don't freak out about witnessing. You're just telling them, this is what God's done in me. Share your story. Share your story. There's nothing more powerful But pastor, I don't have a story like you. I I mean, I wasn't a a, a drug addict. I didn't didn't lose everything. I wasn't living under a bridge. And I'm like, do you really want that? I mean, I could make it happen. I could introduce you to some people. We could do it. We could do it. Listen to me. You don't need a bad story to have a good story. Why? Because your testimony is not about how bad you were. Your testimony is about how good your God is. That's what it's about. That's what you're pointing them to. This is the word of God, that, that you would share what God has done in you. Tell them how God has took that hurt, and he's turning it into some healing. He's doing something. You, you, you tell them how, how God is, you're, you, you're in this struggle, but God's, doing, God's making you stronger. But pastor, I'm still hurting. Uh, pastor, I'm still in this struggle. Pastor, I still got problems. And I would say to you, me too. Thank God that's why God sent his son Jesus, not just to solve your problems, but to set us free. This is, this is what Easter is about. This is what the celebration of Christ is about. Somebody, I just believe with all my heart that there's someone here today. There's someone that you've logged in, you've, you've clicked on. And maybe you've never even heard of medals before, but you find yourself watching. And this is you where you're thinking, I've got problem after problem after problem. I've got issues. The finances are out of control. The kids are out of control. The marriage is out of control. Listen to me. Maybe you've never thought about it like this. But your problems, this is going to blow somebody away. Every miracle starts with a problem. Every miracle starts with a problem. Jesus, we, we ran out of wine. What are we going to do? Jesus, there's thousands. All we got is a happy meal. We can't feed them. Jesus, I've been bleeding for, for years. Jesus, there's a storm coming. It doesn't look good. Jesus, I can't see. Jesus, I can't hear. Jesus, I can't walk. I'm telling you, despite what you're struggling with, 
despite what, regardless of your circumstances or your problems, your God is bigger. He's bigger. Every miracle, woo, every miracle starts with a problem. And the reason some of you, you feel so out of sorts and you feel like there's, there's something amiss in you, it's because there is. You feel like a fish out of water some days, like you don't fit in, you don't. Because you weren't created for this world. That'll never go away to a to, to 100% degree. You weren't created for the chaotic world we live in. You weren't created to be attached to social media or the news and that have it hit you all the time, all this information, downloading it, taking it in. You weren't created for that. You weren't created for the sadness. You weren't created for the depression. You weren't created for the tragedy. You weren't created for it. See, you were created for a perfect world in a perfect place. But that's not the world that we live. But that someday, say someday, someday, I, uh, this world's not your home. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's not me saying it. The Word of God says it all over the place. We have to stop living like this world is our home. We have to stop li- clinging to the things that, that are going to... I saw a sweatshirt uh, this week. I loved it. It said, heaven is my home. I'm just here recruiting. I like that. I'm just here recruiting. Heaven is my home. That leads to the next question. Pastor, what is God waiting for? Why doesn't he just send Jesus now? Like, why, why all this? It, the world, you said it yourself, is going down. It's going worse and worse and worse. Send him. And I'll hear people say, I wish Jesus would come back today. I wish, I wish we'd see God or Jesus coming from the clouds today. I've said that thing. I've said that same thing. I don't say it anymore. You know why? I realized for me saying it, it was selfish. I want Jesus to come for me. Save me. Get me out of this hellhole. And, uh, but the problem, here's the problem. If Jesus were to break out of the clouds today and come down... I got friends and family that would go to hell. I got, I got people that I love that would be separated from him forever. So, so uh, and, and, and sometimes we'll even say, I wish Jesus would have came two years ago, pre-pandemic, or five years ago. The problem is, if Jesus would have came five years ago, well, I, there's never been a Meadows church. It doesn't exist. And the 500 plus people that made decisions for Christ never made those decisions. And, and, and your four-year-old son, well, he never goes to heaven because he doesn't exist. And that newborn baby that you love so much. Well, she doesn't go to heaven because she doesn't exist. So God just waits forever? No. God won't wait forever. But I'm not, I'm not in a rush. Our time is short regardless if Jesus comes back soon. Trust me. Heck, if he would have came back 15 years ago, your pastor wouldn't be in heaven. What do you mean? You've said from the stage that you believed in Jesus all your life. I know. Me, me, me and Satan, we're in the same team. We believed in him all our lives. Here, here's the difference. We're, we weren't following him. We hadn't surrendered to him. See, I want to give you the whole gospel. Goes along with a message or a series that we're doing, doesn't it? I want to give you the whole gospel. In fact, let me, let me have God give it to you. Because this will answer the question that we just asked as well. Matthew 24, 14. I don't know, did I show this one yet? No? Okay. And the good news about the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. See, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. He is waiting for the word of God to spread and spread and spread. Let me give you another scripture when it comes to what I just talked about in regards to salvation. 
2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't being slow like you think he is. He's not being slow about his promise as some people think. Nope. He's being patient for your sake. It's always about you. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent. Wait a minute. Paul, you mean he wants everyone just to believe and be good, right? Just to say they believe and they're done? No. That's not what, that's not what, that's not what the word of God said here. See, the Bible will never contradict the Bible. The Bible will always back up the Bible. So sometimes we'll take one or two scriptures and use them out of context. But when you start putting the Bible together and, and you put this with that and that with that, you'll see the whole word of God and it's beautiful and it comes alive. Peter says, I, I want, or God is saying, I want everyone to repent. By the way, to think about somebody being destroyed, that's a sobering thought. That's hell. To repent. This is why I can tell you from the stage, 15 years ago, Jesus comes down, I'm, I'm a goner. There is no heaven for me. It's hell for me. That's where I'll live forever. Thank you, Lord, for not, for, for waiting, for being patient. Until I could repent. What do you mean repent? Change. Turn away. Do you know how many people have believed in Jesus, but they're living their life and walking down their road and living their will? I believe it's a lot of people because it was me all my life. There's more. Say there's more. There's more. Let me break it up a little bit and add a little bit of fun because it get, it, it's getting kind of deep in here. One of the questions, I don't even think I've got this on the screen, but one of the questions, and this is probably the most theologically deep question I've heard. <laughs> what is Jesus' favorite ice cream to eat before performing miracles? I'm like, I like that because you know Jesus loved ice cream. He did. It's a fact. He created the people that created the ice cream. Come on, don't make me have to explain the whole thing to you. By the way, I, there was a, in, in my life group one time, there was a gal who didn't like ice cream. I, can you believe that? Like, and I don't want to, I'm not going to stand up here in front of all, everybody and name names, but her name was Stacy. And anyway, I don't, I don't get it. We got to pray for that woman, okay? I, so what was Jesus' favorite ice cream? You know, we can't find that answer in the Bible, but I'll give you my opinion. Rocky Road. Rocky Road, why? Chocolate combined with almonds, combined with marshmallows. I mean, come on. But it's also the road that you travel to get to him. Matthew 7 says the road to Christ, the road to heaven is narrow and rocky. Few will find it. Well, you mean many will find it? No. Many will believe and stop there. They'll never take a different road. They'll never change their mind about God. You have to earn it? No. You have to surrender to it. This is, this is, this is the gospel. You know what would kill me? If, if I got to heaven and, and, and God, take, or God takes me aside, he's like, you, you did a great job pastoring meadows, but the problem is a lot of the people never understood the whole gospel, so they're, they're, they won't ever see you again. And I don't want that. So, so Peter says, repent, turn away, uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit that wants to move in your life. The road to heaven is narrow and rocky, rocky road. It's a rocky road. I got to confess something real quick here. This week, I was sitting here reflecting on Meadows, four and a half years old. And uh, it's been, you know, crazy course for all of us the last few years. And I, 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 so I get pretty real with God. I'm like, God, you know, I thought Meadows would be bigger by now. Now, understand something. We're, the average church in America is less than 100 people. So 
we're three times that. So, but but I don't think, I don't care about averages. I don't care about other churches or what. I don't care. I know that God's hand is on this church, and I don't say I thought we'd be bigger because of me or anything I'm doing. That's for sure. I'm probably the one that kept it, you know, from not growing. But 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 God. So I'm like, I'm thinking about, I thought we'd be bigger. And you could say something like, oh, but the pandemic and that has something to do with it. And plus you're planting churches. You're sending people out. That's going to, and I love that. That'll never stop. But, but I just thought, you know, I don't know. And as I'm thinking about that, I thought, I wonder how many other pastors think that right now, especially as we approach Easter. I wrote this down. A lot of well-intended pastors find themselves in churches that aren't even growing and thriving like meadows. We are growing and we are thriving. But, but I always want, I'm like, God, we, one more, one more, one more. But there's churches out there that aren't doing that. And I think about those pastors and these are good men and women of God. And they struggle. I said, they, they find themselves with an incredible pressure to grow. So they look at their attendance and they're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. And they look at the giving and they're like, I didn't, this, I thought it would be more than that. So, so and, and here's what's tempting. They start to gauge um, success by, not by the faithfulness to the word of God, but by the weekend numbers. Now understand, I'll never apologize for, for telling you numbers because numbers matter to God. I don't care what anybody, he wrote a book called Numbers. They matter to God. <laughs> every, number, every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. But the moment the numbers trump what, what God's doing in us and the Word of God, we're, we're in trouble. Because here's what can happen. Here's what, I'm telling you, there's pastors, pray for the pastors in the world. Because they're tempted right now, especially as Easter approaches, here's what we're tempted to do. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not. Not because I'm arrogant or I'm not, I'm just not. But I know my friends who are pastors are. They're, you get scared and you get nervous. So here's what happens. Sermons get sanitized. Okay? Scripture gets edited out. The hole in our gospel, right? We create these holes because it's more comfortable. And the cross gets covered up. So, and instead of preaching about surrender, we'll preach seven ways to succeed in life. Instead of preaching about repentance and dying to self, we'll give you three points to happiness. And, and as I'm thinking about that, I'm praying for my friends that are pastors, and, and it hits me. We preach, we preach truth. And if I don't get it right, it's on me. I always tell people, if the sermon sucked, it was all me. If it was good, that was all God. But we are a church, and I'm going to make a declaration to you right now. I've done it before, but I'm, I did, me having this conversation with God this week fired me up. Because God literally was like, Monty, understand something. When you preach truth, you are the minority. And if you think that we're the minority now, wait five years from now. Wait ten years from now. The, the crazy stuff that we're preaching in the Word of God, it will seem out of control crazy. It'll seem so offensive. But I, I don't care. Because this, the, because we, the truth, the Bible says the truth will set you free. So let me declare for you, Meadows Church will be a church that preaches the Word of God, whether it makes you feel good, whether it makes you feel good, bad, whether it makes you happy, whether it makes you sad, it doesn't matter. Because I know at the end of the day, it's not what we want to hear, it's what we need to hear. So we're going to preach through. And if you think for a second, and here's what I think, here, here's, here's the fact. People want to hear it. They may not tell you, they, like outwardly I don't want to hear it, but deep in their hearts, they want to hear it. Do you know why? They're created in the image of God. And people are dying for truth in a world that's so false and fake. And we have it. 
but it's offensive. It is. And if you think the Word of God isn't offensive, again, a decade from now, we'll reflect back and think, oh my God, remember when we could preach this? Well, we're always going to preach it. I don't really give a rip what, what society does. But I'm telling you this. We think topics like abortion, well, that's offensive. Homosexuality, that's offensive. Transgender, that's offensive. You know what's really offensive? The gospel. Tell another person that there's a God who owns them defines them, rules them, and one day will judge them, that person will take offense. Especially if they don't believe in God. They're like, what are you talking about? Oh, don't stop there. Tell them, you know what? You're destined for hell. You're destined for a place of damnation and torture away from God. Unless you put your faith in a man named Jesus. Oh, but don't stop there. The man named Jesus, he was like this, this magical guy. He, he, was, he was like his mom was a virgin even after he was born. You got to believe you need to believe that. He was the son of God. You got to believe that. It doesn't stop there. This Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He never screwed up and he did crazy miracles. He was healing people and 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 feeding people with nothing and he was like bringing people back to life. You need to believe that. Oh, you also need to believe that he died this heinous death. Like he, 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 they, they put him on a cross and he died on this cross. And here's what you also need to believe. The blood that poured out of his body, it didn't stain things, but it made things clean. It was like insane what it did. Oh, and it, but it doesn't even stop there. I haven't even got to the best part. Are you offended yet? If you're not, come back next week. We'll do it again. This is what he says. If you, you need to believe all that. And then you need to believe the center of it all. It's what we're going to celebrate, not just in two weeks, but this week, next week, the 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 next week. You need to believe that after he was shoved dead body in a tomb, that three days later, some women came to anoint a dead body, but when they went there, the stone was rolled away. They looked in, and there was no body. Why? Because Jesus Christ, this Son of God, this Savior of the world, had brought himself back to life. Is it offensive? Yes. Is it the greatest miracle in history? Yes! We will never stop celebrating it. So, as I close, God, what's our action items with this message? Here's what I believe he wants us to do. Invite. People are dying and going to hell. If we do nothing else in this church, may we invite someone so they can hear the gospel. My promise to you as your pastor, I will preach the gospel every week. There is no salvation weekend. Every weekend is salvation weekend. And it's not just on the weekends. You meet them and you tell it to them on Tuesday or Wednesday. The word of God. Share your story. Lead others to Jesus. But you can't lead somebody where you haven't gone. This is the key. Let's say I want to take you skydiving. I bring you in for classes. We, we, I, you learn all about skydiving. We get to the part where we get up in the airplane. We're 30,000 feet in the air. And we're, te we're, we're tethered to each other. Because when you skydive the first time, you can't do it alone. And we get up there and I help pack your chute and we're ready to go. And the, the doors open and we're looking down at the earth and it's like, oh my God, it looks so small. And all of a sudden I say to you, hey, guess what? I've never done this. And you're like, I'm going to kill you. And then I'm like, you're not going to have the chance because we're both going to die together. So yeah, that doesn't make sense because I haven't done it. I want to lead you somewhere today. If you don't feel compelled to love people and invite people or share your faith, 
you possibly don't have the Holy Spirit living in you. I'm not afraid to tell you. I'm afraid not to tell you that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is belief part of it? Absolutely. It's where it begins. But it doesn't end there. Peter said, repent, that you would turn and start to make different decisions. It's a rocky road for a reason, but you don't have to do it alone. Online, you can type, I choose Jesus in the comments. And we'll love you, we'll walk with you, and we'll guide you. The same in the room. Mark your card. I want to get baptized. I want to, I want to make a decision. My life has gotten off track. I'm recommitting my life, whatever it is. You can't lead anybody where you haven't gone. Go there today. Surrender your life to Christ today. You are saved by God's grace through your faith. And it starts with belief. That's where it is. Believe in Jesus Christ. He is the sinless, spotless Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. Surrender to Him and start just walking with Him. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your truth. Um, wow. Love you. There's so many answers in your word. It's so applicable to our lives today. Uh, I thank you for helping us uh, unpack it and apply it to our lives. People need to know. <laughs> We're waiting on you and you're waiting on us. That doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be Christ ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of a country. We're a representative, a representative of a church. God, I pray that this week you'll help us love, invite, share our story. I pray for people today that are hurting and suffering, people that are struggling and lonely and dead on the inside. God, I pray that you fill them with your presence right now and that you speak directly to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they know how in love you are with them and that they can't earn your love. They just need to receive it. I pray that after we worship in song that people will flood the stage for prayer. I pray that decisions will be made, cars will be handed in, first-time guests will allow us to bless them with a gift because we love them. People making decisions will indicate it so we can walk with them. Thank you for Jesus. Without, without him and without what he did for us on the cross and in the tomb, this is just like a motivational speech. Who cares? It's noise. It doesn't matter. But because those things that we talked about today are true, they're facts, this is the greatest news in the world. Everything, so many things we do this week will not matter at the end of, at the end of our lives. So many. God, help us spend our time and our lives on the things that really do matter. Things of eternity, things of forever, things of you. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In him, we truly believe that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.